right, today is the day. Basketball returns into the Syracuse stratosphere. I'm excited. Tim, you're excited. Yep. And we're going to break it down for you today Finally. on the Locked on Syracuse podcast, the only place for you to get daily Orange podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our Twitter account at LO underscore Syracuse. Give us a follow. Rate us five stars wherever you get your podcasts as well. Okay, Tim. We've got lots of basketball to get to today. We'll also get into a little bit of football recruiting stuff at the end of the show. But Bayheim's Army is back. We've got our Big Ten ACC Challenge in July, <laughs> and which is kind of ironic because we have not actually gotten the Big Ten ACC Challenge assignments yet, even though those are usually out at this time. But it's Syracuse, it's Purdue, Bayheim's Army versus Men of Mackey, and just from watching the tournament and i've heard a bunch of different people i mean just in talking amongst circles of my friends hey are you watching this are you not watching this and everyone has loved it the reviews of basketball back on the screen have been so high and now we finally get to put a little fandom behind it yeah the quality of basketball has been good so far too a lot of upsets in the early portion of this tournament i love how they're putting the bracket kind of right front and center behind the court i think under the circumstances... That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, they have done a great job. And we kind of always sing the praises of TBT and how this has really been a cool thing to follow, especially for Syracuse fans, because they've been tied to it from the very beginning, I'd say, and been, honestly, a big contributor. You talked to John Mugar, who was one of the co-founders, and he was like, Syracuse was really big for us that they got in on it, because he's learned that Syracuse fans are are crazy about basketball and crazy about their team and rooting for the alumni. But I I think just seeing kind of our guy Demetrius Nichols, who was on the podcast, he's been doing some of those quarantine update videos. I think they've handled it great so far. And obviously just thrilled that Bayheim's Army passed the test because I know a lot of teams had to back out, unfortunately. But this is going to be a tough matchup in this first game. I think it's going to be interesting, too, to see what the NBA takes from TBT because you know they're watching. They've got their yeah. eye on this in some capacity. And when you look at even something small like the design of the court and how you fill up the fact that there's no fans in the stands and you've got these added little designs that you've got throughout the entire arena, I'm going to be interested to see what the NBA takes away from this. I think that's another interesting thing. So Syracuse and Men of Mackey, 4 o'clock today on the East Coast. Um, according to Dan Dockich, oh, he no. says this is for entertainment purposes only. Bayheim's army is going to crush men of oh, Mackey gosh. and says Cuse will win by 20. Dan, Listen, Dan, what are you doing to us? Like, here's the thing. I, and Dan Dockich is not calling this game. Unfortunately, I, you know, a lot of people give Dockich a bad rap. I love Dan Dockich yeah. and no offense to, to Seth Greenberg because Seth Greenberg is also great and he's going to be the one that's on the call of this game. And Seth Greenberg is probably one of the biggest Bayheim's Army advocates oh my that gosh, yeah. all <laughs> in the entire <laughs> tournament stratosphere. But Dockich is saying this isn't going to be a game at all, to which I would say I am completely on the other side of that. I'm worried, Ty. I, I'm actually like, so am I. the more I looked into this matchup, I mean, it feels like it's a Syracuse basketball game where you look at the other side and you got Haas, who's 7'3", 295 pounds, just a mountain of a human, and you got Syracuse that all of a sudden, well, we did feel great about the roster, they lost two of their first, or two of their four first-round picks, Leiden and McCullough. Right. And, and that was supposed to be the big that's difference who was supposed maker to guard for this Haas. team. They yeah. were supposed to be 
four guys who were drafted in the first round, and now you slice that number in half when you lose some of these guys because of personal reasons, injuries, what have you. Yeah, and more importantly, when we talked with Kevin Belby, he said that's something that they were trying to make sure they had this year was versatile big men, guys that could rebound, because he's admitted they've struggled rebounding like a lot of Syracuse teams recently, a lot of Bayheim's Army teams recently. That's why... I do feel like we're looking at a Syracuse game when you just look at sort of the scouting report and you go down the line. My concern is going to be rebounding. My concern is Haas. And I do think Syracuse, Bayheim's Army, has a much more talented roster, but there's already been a lot of upsets, and I don't feel great about the matchup that they're drawing here against a Metamachy team that played really clutch down the stretch the other night. We'll deep dive into what exactly Men of Mackey has in a little bit, but let's key in on Syracuse a little bit here because there's a bunch of guys that I think are very intriguing on this roster, especially in the format that we're working with here. And the thing that's interesting is even Kevin Belby brought up how chemistry is going to be so important, and to a degree, yes, but we've seen some teams, like think about the Clemson alumni team when you've got the power of the paw, and that's a team that had a lot of guys that all played together. Marquise Reed, Dante Grantham, Elijah Thomas. And, I mean, right out of the gate, I, I can't even remember. Who, I think they were playing... Um, I can't remember. Brotherly Love. I, I can't remember exactly who... The, or Armored, Armored Athlete was who they yeah, were playing. Yeah, it sounds right. Yeah. And they got run out of the building, especially in the early going, because Armored Athlete was just knocking down from three pretty much every time down the floor. And so if the other team's hitting three after three after three, it doesn't matter how good your chemistry is. Yeah, I think the thing that excites me about this Syracuse team is the guard play because they've got Devo and Trish, who are veterans who have performed very well in this tournament in the past. We always love to shout out Devo, and he's earned it. I mean, he's it feels like he's led the team in scoring. Friend of the show. And more games than any other player in Bayheim's Army history. And then Gillen, and and now Malachi. I mean, of all the players that I'm most excited to watch tomorrow night, I think it, or today, if you're listening to the podcast on Tuesday, I think it's Malachi, because we haven't seen him in this setting yet. And I he was one of my favorite players at Syracuse, and we only got to see him for a year. So just the type of athlete that he is, and I, I'm excited to watch him and going to be interested in terms of what he brings more than any other player, because... Now a lot of these other guys, because Leiden's out, Will Raymond is obviously kind of a question mark, and he kind of is that one non-Syracuse guy now. But Raymond's a good player from Colgate, and he is a good add considering that he brings some rebounding and defense for them. So it's interesting you bring up Malachi, and he was only there at Syracuse for a year. It's crazy because he's going to log as many seasons playing with Bayheim's Army as he is going to be with actual the actual Syracuse men's basketball yeah. program. And I think he's super intriguing because he's one of the youngest guys on the roster, and he's the, the most recently removed from the NBA, too. So he's got that experience of playing at the highest level in the world most recently of pretty much anyone that's going to play not just in this game, but in the entire tournament as well. So, I mean, obviously he's, I don't think he's the most recently removed, but he, he's right up there. I'd guess he's probably in the top seven or five of guys who have recently played in the NBA in terms of the amount of days elapsed since that. So I think he's a super intriguing guy to me. The, the guy that's, I'm most looking forward to watching is 
coincidentally, not a guy who played for Syracuse. It is Will Raymond yeah. who you brought up because how is he going to blend in because he's not part of this quote-unquote Syracuse family. However, he did come as a high recommendation from guys of from the Syracuse coaching staff, and he has played against Syracuse, so he, he kind of knows the inside out, not the inside out, but he knows concepts of the 2-3 zone. And I, I wonder, because Ryan Blackwell came out and said, we're going to play a little man, we're going to play a little zone. When Raymond's out on the floor, are they going to play zone? Because I would probably guess no. Yeah, I, I was thinking, so when we talked with Kevin Belby, he said a big priority for them was getting that center, honestly, like Haas, who can come out and play a guard and can work in the pick and roll, switch, has the ability to play some man-to-man. He talked like maybe they want a center that can play man-to-man. The good news is Leiden was that guy. He's not, I mean, the bad news is he's not there anymore, but the good news is Raymond, I think, does qualify as someone that Belby was looking for, and it's nice that you have him as a plan B. He's a good plan B. My concern is, you know, we've seen really only, to my memory, only one other player who hasn't been a Syracuse alumni on these teams. It was Jordan Crawford, a little different player because he just needed the ball in his hands and was a heavy dribbler. He's also an NBA player too. Yeah, it, it's a, obviously different, but that was a you know of the one guy that we've seen. It didn't really work out, and it's going to be tough for Raymond. There's added pressure on him to kind of contribute right away because he's not amongst the brotherhood, amongst the Syracuse family. I do think all these guys respect his game though and understand that he's a big ad given that they lost Leiden. Yeah, I'm guessing there was some sort of consultation in there saying, all right, we're looking at bringing this guy in. Is everyone cool with that? And I'm guessing that's probably something that went into it. So for a little background on his time at Colgate, this is a guy who averaged 12 and a half points at least every single year for four straight years with the Raiders. And he started pretty much every game there as well. And the thing that's fascinating to me with his numbers is the fact that his scoring dipped pretty much every single year, but he just improved other facets of his game. Like his rebounding numbers went up every single year. His three point numbers got better and he shot almost 40% from three, almost every single season too. So you've got a guy again, you're missing out on Leiden, but he brings a lot of Leiden-like qualities, and he's about the same size as him as well. He can rebound, he can stretch the floor, he can score for you. And that's going to be so crucial for a Syracuse team that's missing one of its key guys that heading into this tournament. Yeah, really two of their key guys, too, when you add in McCullough. I, yeah, McCullough, too. It's Different di- big man style. But yeah, yeah, totally. It, it's disappointing. I, I think I've gone from really in on them making a run to pretty dang concerned that this might be their only game. But I do think they have the pieces, and they're kind of due to maybe go on a little bit of a run in this tournament because they've always been talented. They've always been one of the higher seeds. This year is different because they don't get any sort of home court advantage, and it's a tougher first game. But you'd like to see them win this first game and at least get into the tournament a little bit deeper because I do feel like they have kind of underperformed relative to expectations the past couple times. All right, coming up next, we've broken down Bayheim's army. Let's look at the opposition, the men from Purdue, the men of Mackey. That's next. All right, so in the break, Tim, before we get into men of Mackey here in this segment, you brought up to me, who do you think is going to lead Bayheim's army in scoring today? 
And I think that's actually a super interesting question because they've got so many different guys that can do so many different things and the level of experience among the roster as well. So who do you think is it's, going to lead yeah, this team in scoring? It's tough. I think on paper, Malachi should be, as you said, most recent guy out. Honestly, one of the more talented guys, just point blank, and his age helps him that he's a little bit younger, should be quicker and more athletic. But since it's his very first game in this tournament, in this format, I feel like it'll probably be Devo or Gillen because those are just the guys that have been good for Bayheim's army in the past. I don't know, though. It wouldn't shock me if any of these guys led the team. I mean, if you were doing Vegas odds, which we love to, you know, hypothesize a little bit, I don't like I don't know who will be leading. And I don't know if there's much of a change between who's leading and who's an eighth of eight guys on the team. That's very interesting there. I will say, I think a dark horse candidate, like if we were playing odds and and we had a list of Vegas odds in front of us, the guy who I would probably take because of the price, not necessarily I think that he's the best scorer on the team, I would probably take Andrew White. Yeah, I I thought you were going to go there. line up favorably in in that direction. Him, Gillen, I think, is another great option, like you mentioned there. Because they could get hot to... from three, you know? Right, exactly. And then if you get a guy going, it's – I mean, we saw it with – with um, with uh, who, who are we talking about? Armored Athlete um, and, and how they just got hot from three. Oh, yeah. And you, you, can, you, can, you can run a team out pretty early on and, and kind of put a, an axe in their sails pretty early. But – All right, let's get into Men of Mackey here. We're talking about a Purdue alumni team that has a ton of height, and that's something that Matt Painter has brought in to West Lafayette time and time again. And this is super ironic because when you talk about a Syracuse men's basketball game in the ACC or even in the old Big East, usually that shoe is on the other foot in SU's favor because you're looking at a Syracuse team that perennially is one of the tallest in the country. But... When we look at men of Mackey, you've got four guys at 6'8 or taller. Meanwhile, Bayheim's Army, only three guys at 6'8 or taller, which maybe doesn't sound like much of a disparity there. But I will say this, the four guys of, at 6'8 or taller on the men of Mackey side are much bigger and taller, whereas Syracuse, they top off at 6'9. Meanwhile, the men of Mackey team tops out at 7'3 with Isaac Haas and also has a 6'10 guy to sprinkle in there as well. You know, I'm going to go ahead and say it, Ty. I hate to be this guy, but I think Bayheim's Army loses this game. I just, I don't know. Something about, and I didn't think I was going to say that until you, it just hit me as you were speaking just then about the height. I mean, this is, can you just visualize us watching this game today and thinking, man, like this is so Syracuse basketball recently and not getting like PTSD, but like just getting a little bit annoyed at the fact that it's kind of those problems that we've seen. That's a very pessimistic view. I really hope that's not the case because I really hope this team kind of lives up to their potential this season. This Metamaki roster, though, is a tough matchup. And the other guy to bring up, I mean, everyone's going to talk about Haas, rightfully so. He really wasn't even that close to leading the team in scoring, though. Detman was unreal for them. In yeah, the, just Detman. Yeah, and mm-hmm. he's not even a Purdue guy. He's a Washington guy who's actually right, exactly. 34. But he goes out, puts up 30-plus points. We don't know the exact number because there was some discrepancy 32. there. 
I know. Oh, was there? Well, I saw that ESPN had 33. The box score said 30. You're saying 32. It was Uh-oh. 30 plus points, and it's the highest. I, I looked on the TBT website, and they had 32 for Dentman. Okay. Well, the ESPN. Third, it was 30, at least 30. All right. That's, right. We've got a little mystery on our hands here. Yeah. It's. I think Mike Waters wrote an article kind of joking about it. Not that wasn't the only point of the article, but he was breaking down his points and how ESPN had a box score that said 33, but the box score was also the wrong score that they posted. So there was a lot of Mm, confusion. Okay. He did make six threes though. I think that is clear on 11 attempts. So he was red hot, some step back, some tough shots. Honestly, reminded me a little bit of Carson Edwards to compare to another Purdue guy. Some of the shots Uh he was making. I know that's, that's scary right now, but very scary. This is a guy who played on some fun Washington teams, Nate Robinson, Brandon Roy type teams from back in the day. And who knows, maybe it was just a heat check in that one game. And now he's going to come back out. It's tough to follow it up. And, and maybe there's going to be added pressure on him this game, but he's another guy to look out for who really was sensational in the first game for them. And he did it all in less than 30 minutes. So he, he's getting over a point per minute. And the thing that I think, I'm not going to say favors Syracuse, but helps Syracuse, all right, hear me out here, is the fact that Dentman is only six foot. So you feel a little more comfortable putting John Gillen out there yeah. in lineups and not having the size exploitation that, that we sometimes saw while he was a member of, of the Syracuse men's basketball team. On top of that, you can also throw a bigger guard on him and a guy who's a wily vet in TBT. Now, Dentman's played in TBT as well before, but you can throw Eric Devendorf on him, give yourself a couple inches of size advantage. And, I mean, the feistiness of Devo and the competitiveness, I think, I don't think Dentman's going off for 32 again. Could he get 20, 25? Maybe. But I think 30 would be far-fetched for him in this game. And if they can control him then that makes your task a lot easier. But you still have to win some sort of, not win, but you have to be competitive on the boards too. Yeah. I think earmuffs to Jim Beheim right now, not the chances that he listened to this is obviously slim, but if he does, earmuffs, because I don't think zone is the best uh, strategy for going against Menomaki. I kind of hope they play more man-to-man and... I like the zone, but I just feel like they have some shooters and then Haas is just kind of a, I mean, maybe that it makes it tougher to get the ball down low to him consistently, but I can just see him kind of slipping behind for the alley-oop or he's just such a tough matchup. Yeah, we've seen this act before. Yeah. And I think I'm just so concerned about the rebounding too. And that's a real concern because. That's been their bugaboo in the past, Bayheim's Army. Dante Green is going to be kind of an X factor in this game because I know Raymond's going to play some. You can't imagine that. I think they'll lean more on Green just based on his experience playing with the other guys. And I don't even know. I mean, it's hard to say, but I guess Raymond has practiced the full amount because Leiden announced before. I can't remember the exact timetable, but it feels like, I mean, these guys have been working on plays, as Demetrius told us. For a while, and some of them have been up in Syracuse doing plays. It's kind of hard to just throw Raymond in for a lot of action in this first game, unless he like catches fire or something. I think with Dante Green too, he brings you the added dimension of length, 
which you're going to need against a guy who's seven foot three and can battle on the boards because Isaac Haas, according to the box scores, had four offensive rebounds in that game, including the game winner, which he grabbed. It probably wasn't over the back. I don't know. I'd have yeah. to watch it again, but he goes <laughs> over a guy, grabs it, maybe gets away with it because he's seven foot three, and then just puts it back up and absolutely overpowers the the heart fire defender that was on him and and wins the game for men of Mackey. So uh, it's it's amazing because you look at every ledger on on the the measuring tape here for this men of Mackey team. You've got a guy at six foot who can make a monster impact for you and a guy at seven three who can make a monster impact for you. Both of those guys can win this game for men of Mackey. Meanwhile, I think Syracuse top to bottom. They're the better team. Oh, absolutely. No doubt. No yeah. doubt. There's a reason they're the four seed. There's a reason that guys like Seth Greenberg and Dan Dockich are so high on them. But I will also say this, and Syracuse, while they do have game breakers on their team, I mean, they're the matchup isn't great. I think that that's the no. real thing that, that troubles. Listen, Syracuse, if they were playing Heartfire right now, I would be on the complete opposite end of this because I would be saying – that Syracuse, the, the talent is just going to overtake Men of Mackey. But when you look at the matchups and some of the guys that are impact guys for, for this Purdue alumni team, that's when I, I get a little queasy thinking about it. Yeah, it's a very balanced team for Bayheim's Army, and I think someone's going to have to step up for them. And I hope that it's someone that is like a Devendorf or a Malachi would be awesome. But you got to get someone to kind of play above average in this type of format. And I do think it's a tough matchup, but then again, the last Syracuse basketball game we watched was, it was literally Syracuse, but against UNC, and the last time we talked about a game, it was a terrible matchup, and they won by almost 30 points, basically on the road. So, who knows? It's going to be fun, because now we actually get a live event, and it's basketball, it's back, and we don't know what's going to happen, but I'm really excited to watch these guys play today. Real quick, before we get into some football recruiting stuff here, did you see that FanDuel has daily fantasy for this? No, that's awesome. Yep. So wow. there, there's you can play daily fantasy on FanDuel for the tournament, like over under pick, points or something. No, 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 not no. I'm no. I'm talking about like you set your lineups, oh, like really? daily fantasy, that's not cool. not the sports book, but yeah, daily yeah. fantasy. So who who is one guy? Let's just. We'll stick on the Bayheim's Army side of things. Yeah. Who's the one guy that you would take in Daily Fantasy? I'd take John Gillen. I bet he's kind of – I'd have to That's look at the good salaries. Value. Yeah. But, yeah, because he might not even start. But if he gets hot, he could take you into the money on his own. I mean, he has the highest ceiling of some of the lower-end guys on the team, maybe salary-wise. That's fun, though. Yeah, I didn't know that. I think, too, the thing with Gillen is since he's never played in the NBA, you look at all these other guys and you're like, oh, Malachi Richardson, he he was a first-round pick. Yeah. Oh, Dante Green, he was a first-round pick. Or, oh, Eric Devendorf, he's dominated this tournament in the past. But Gillen's that guy, he only played Power 5 for a year, and, yeah, it kind of, uh, kind of could slip under the radar there and could give you some great value. I love that pick. Uh, my pick, though, I think I would go with Andrew White just yeah. because he has the potential to get you, like, five, six threes if he's really feeling it. And he's also can rebound the ball for you as well. So I think Andrew White would be a, another solid play. So look at that. A couple of transfers on that 2017 team. So, all right, when we come back, we will get into some football recruiting stuff here. Deuce Chestnut, a four-star cornerback, put Syracuse in his top eight and made some interesting comments about the Orange and the rest of his suitors. We'll talk about that next. 
So it's already been a pretty hot week for Syracuse on the recruiting trail. They got their top guy in the class so far in Jatius Gear, and they also picked up their quarterback, Justin Lampson, who we will be talking with this week. So stay tuned for that on the show. Really excited to have that conversation with the priority quarterback of 2021, QB1 of the future for the Syracuse Orange team. But they could actually really hit it out of the park. And I don't know what the timetable is for a decision for this guy, but Deuce Chestnut, four-star cornerback, defensive back out of Camden, New Jersey, 24th rated cornerback in the cycle, also the 327th overall player in the cycle. He made a top eight list. It features Syracuse. Along with them, you got fellow ACC members Louisville and Miami, and then also Kansas, Ole Miss, Michigan, Michigan State, and his hometown college of Rutgers. So when you look at Deuce Chestnut, this is a guy, again, with this 3-3-5 defense. Defensive backs are going to be so critical. And when you fit things to scheme, this was a guy, This is a guy who can make a real impact for the Orange, especially given the fact that you're probably going to be losing a number of defensive backs in the very near future. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't it be great to get a four-star? I think that would honestly make this undoubtedly a great start to this cycle. And we're already sort of drinking the Kool-Aid or just really invested in what they're doing and excited about what they're doing in 2021. If they were to reel in a four-star, that gets everyone on board. If you're the ratings hog who considers four stars essential to make sure it's a good class that would really add some more validation to what Dino Babers and everyone is doing. I feel no like, doubt would be a top 50 class. Yeah. Which we have not seen, like I mentioned yesterday since 2007. Yeah. Which I mean, they should get in the top 50. That's not, you know, it shouldn't be, I would guess. Yeah, probably. And I'm not saying like they, they will, but that's not like, unrealistic to expect from Syracuse I think they have that capability and it's it's something that they should be able to do occasionally and more often than what we've seen from a recruiting standpoint good news on Chestnut Syracuse is his only visit of those top eight schools and he did say the only thing I've seen on his timetable is he and this was about a month ago I'll say but he said he's looking into making the decision before his senior year now, okay. what does that mean? Maybe a month, maybe two months. I don't know. We'll see. I think it bodes well that he went to Cuse. He did speak highly of the visit and really liked Syracuse when he was there. I'm worried, though, a little bit because this is a really strong offer sheet, and it takes a lot. It takes a lot of groundwork, which the coaching staff has done here, a lot of relationships to be able to top a Michigan and Miami Louisville, Ole Miss, I mean, Michigan State, these are good schools that are after Chestnut. Syracuse does have the pitch of, you know, we've had Andre Sisco recently, who was a freshman All-American. You can come in and play right away, which I think gives them something that maybe the other schools don't have. Yeah, Trill Williams, too, also a guy who played very early in his Syracuse career. So before we get into some of the comments he made about the eight schools that are in his final eight, the scouting report that 24-7 provides on him, say they say he's a versatile cornerback and defensive back 
but the cornerback position a little more ideal physical guy in pass coverage good in run support strong tackler so when i hear all of that that screams 335 for me because this is a guy again versatility going to be important when you're moving to to five defensive backs then on top of that good in run support and strong tackler that's something that i mean just talking with some of these recruits that's going to be really important when you have to be able to cut down guys because again you're you're missing some of the big bodies up front and you're replacing them with defensive backs as well especially when we're in this very pass happy league but again we still see some phenomenal running backs come through the ACC I mean you think of I mean just in, in these past couple of years Naheem Hines at NC State of course yeah. Travis Etienne gonna be probably a first rounder and then Cam Akers AJ Dillon I mean there's been phenomenal running back talent and I'm sure I've left plenty of names off as well some of the pick guys too i just i think of the guys that have run all over syracuse and it's it's a pretty long list unfortunately at least last year there was that stretch where it was cam makers then it was aj Dillon, and it just never quit it felt like um but sticking with chestnut would be very very excited i i don't think we're expecting any decision in the very short future here but someone to keep an eye on and someone that is a four-star that Syracuse has been on early. They've done all the right things. We'll see if they can wrap him up. You feel like defensive back is one of those positions where they could start making early progress, early strides in the four-star market because you've got the Cisco thing. You've got the Trill Williams thing. You also have a three-three-five defense. That's pretty exciting for a defensive back if you are looking into playing time and looking into how much you'll be out there and how often you can make plays for a team like Syracuse. I feel good about where they are. I feel good that he's the only, or Syracuse is the only visit that Chestnut has been on in terms of his top eight, but it is still a little bit early here. And I I think it's worth noting that this is a much different prospect in terms of some of the guys they've reeled in. This is going to take a huge recruiting win that will get national attention And if you're taking down a Michigan, a Miami, a Louisville, that's something we have not seen from this class so far. So let's get into some of the things he said about all of these eight schools. Now, you and I like to poke fun, but also I think it does carry some weight. But the description that he has on all of these schools, none of them are more than two lines. Okay, so everyone's on an even playing field in that regard right there. But... I think some of the comments he made about Syracuse really stood out, and I'll get into that in just a second, but when you look at it, he made some pretty generic comments throughout the the eight schools. So a lot of the, the things that he said, he talked about the chance to play early. He talked about the reputation of the conference. It'd be a great opportunity to play in the ACC, great opportunity to play in the Big Ten, SEC, what have you. Um, and then he also oftentimes talked about having a great staff and a great environment. Now, there's a couple schools where he made comments that kind of strayed away from the, the cliches right there. When you look at when he talked about Miami and Ole Miss, he brought up the fact he can't wait to visit those schools. So I think that carries a lot of weight. When he brought up Rutgers, he says it's home. And that's something that none of the other schools can match. Then he brought Don't up Syracuse. Rutgers, man. Come on. <laughs> Where careers go to die. You're better than that. Yeah. Um, And then he brings up Syracuse and he says, you can tell it's a really, it's a great family environment. He said great environment for a number of the other schools, but he talked about family and he singled out family for Syracuse, which I thought was very interesting. 
But probably the most interesting thing that he said about Syracuse, he, he also brought up the fact that there's a chance to come in and play early. But the thing that I thought stood out the most was the fact that he said, this is one of the best coaching staffs. And now he, he noted good coaching staffs and uh, and even with Kansas, how, oh, there's less miles and this is an LSU coaching staff here. But when you single out Syracuse as being one of the teams that has one of the best coaching staffs and you're in a battle right now with Manny Diaz from Miami, Les Miles at Kansas, you've got Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, Mel Tucker, a guy who's coached in the NFL at Michigan State now, and you're saying Syracuse is one of the best coaching staffs? That stands out a lot to me if I'm hearing that out of his mouth. Yeah, I still forget that Les Miles is at Kansas, but that's a whole different topic, of course. I I, <laughs> I like everything you said there. I, I think Syracuse has some good comments. The visit makes me feel confident. If I had to pick a team that I'm most worried about, now again, this is just reading the tea leaves as much as possible and basically overthinking what these quotes are which is what we love to do, especially in these times right now in quarantine. But I would say Michigan is the team that I'm scared about the most, considering Michigan has a great sort of foothold on the Camden area. They have a lot of history. Right. He's from Camden, mm-hmm. New Jersey, of having connections to Camden. He's very familiar with that coaching staff, and he's probably been familiar with that coaching staff for even longer than he's known the Syracuse coaching staff, just based on those connections with Michigan. And honestly, Michigan is probably the most high-profile team on his list. Maybe not probably. It is, I'd say. No, it is. Yeah. yeah. No, and, it is. And that I also, in that list of coaches, I left off Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. So another, oh, another yeah. big coaching uh, staff right there, too, and, and a strong one at that, and playing in the SEC. That's the only SEC school. That was in right. his top eight. And Ole Miss doesn't really make a ton of sense to me because it's so far away from New Jersey. It's nice. I think the SEC appeal is definitely real for Ole Miss. I have no understanding of what he's thinking. I have no inside knowledge. I feel like Michigan is the one that I would guess would be the, the toughest competitor here to Syracuse. Now, I'm sure we'll learn more and he'll say more in the coming weeks and months maybe, but good news is Syracuse made the top eight. And I think they've got a real shot of nabbing a four-star. And I would be pretty bummed if they didn't get a four-star in this cycle. Not that I'm a ratings guy, but I think that shows strides. And one four-star maybe leads to another. And there's something to be said that they're hot on the recruiting trail right now. And he just announced Syracuse in the top eight. I think that's a good sign. That definitely is a real thing amongst recruits. All these guys follow each other, and they all see the Syracuse fans in the replies, and that all adds up. Every little bit counts. Yeah, we're going to talk to Justin Lamson about that too because, listen, this is real stuff. It, it really is. So we'll we'll talk to him with about that later on in the week because I think that played a big factor in his decision to go to Syracuse. So Syracuse fans, when Deuce Chestnut puts out some content, you got to flood those, those DMs. Oh, they will. Not the DMs. Don't, don't go in the DMs, all right? That, that's a little weird. <laughs> I think that's a little over the line, but flood the replies. Show some love in the replies, all right? Don't slide in the DMs, all right? They're, they're high school kids. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we will get into the recap of Bayheim's Army and Men of Mackey. Maybe the game is over by the time you're listening to this, but 
we're going to break down everything that we saw and the shelf life of this Bayheim's Army team for the 2020 TBT tournament. Hopefully they win. All right, listen, Fingers I crossed. would love to have be able to watch some Syracuse basketball essentially for the next week. All right, that would be that I would want nothing more. But yeah. Again, like we mentioned on the show, it's going to be a very, very tough matchup for that team. So we will get to all of that tomorrow and probably dive into some more recruiting stuff as well. So for Tim, I'm Tyler. We will talk to you tomorrow. Oh.